Welcome to the Rx for Hospital Quality podcast. Join host Simile Miller as she dives into topics such as who DNV is, what we offer, and how hospitals can improve their quality processes. Our commitment is to improve healthcare quality in this nation, and this podcast is to help support that. And now, here's our host, Simile Miller. On today's podcast, I actually am very excited, but also very emotional um, to bring on uh, Patrick Horine, who is the president of DNV Healthcare, and also Kelly Proctor, who is the director of accreditation um, at the moment. And I, I really wanted to bring them on to talk about um, the where DNV ha- comes from, where we originated, and then also about where the future uh, of DNV is going. So who better than to bring on um, our top two leadership positions to speak to that? So with that being said, um, I want to first ask Patrick, um, Tell me, Pat, you know, the, 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 the listeners have heard about um, from a high level of where DNV originated um, and how um, that whole blood, sweat and tears story happened from my point of view. But I think it's important for them to hear from you why you created DNV um, and how that came about. So can you talk to us a little bit about that? Uh, I love to tell the story. Uh, it's one that would be nice to have in, in print in a book somewhere. Um, and then, oh, the stories we could tell. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a very interesting story. I mean, true story of kind of perseverance, um, craziness, and all that wrapped up in one. Um, but um, when uh, th- this all started, uh, of all people, my mother-in-law uh, and I, uh, Becky Wise, um, were the ones that started it. Um, and it really stems from us kind of getting hospitals ready for Joint Commission surveys. Um, and, uh, as we kind of went out and did our mock surveys and things like that, you know, we identified findings as many as we could. Um, and then, you know, we'd have the hospitals basically prepare a corrective action plan, uh, for what we found. And then they would, they would return it to us. We'd look at it. Hey, that's great. Get to working on that. We'd go back for another mock survey and very, and in many instances, very little was done about it. I mean, there would be you know, hey, well, let's just uh, let's just scratch off the date, put a new date on, and hand it back to you because you haven't done any of this. And you know, there were there were a lot of reasons, kind of like behind that. One, you know, there was no sense of urgency on the hospital's part because the survey wasn't going to be anytime soon. You know, with having a triennial survey process, it was like, you know, they don't have to really worry about this right now, just as everybody does. It's like as the survey kind of window comes around. We'll, we'll give more serious thought to that, and we'll start putting it together then. So they didn't have that sense of urgency. Um, they didn't really have a system in place for tracking like corrective actions. So they usually let the the report, you know, from the surveys, the actual surveys, drive their action. You know, kind of give an immediate response to that. But with no system in place, really, as you've learned, with like the value and merits behind internal audits, um, you know, having the tracking system in place, in particular, what a hospital can identify on their own, you know, and hopefully, you know, we get a snap a shot in time of what they look at, uh, you know, what we get to look at, but rather they get to look at a whole lot more and a lot of opportunities to do that. So our findings should pale in comparison to their findings of what they're able to identify. Um, But they didn't really have a good system in place to track that. 
um, a lot of the, the responsibility for this fell on the shoulders of the quality and accreditation managers, and they kind of took the charge for, well, we'll see that this all gets done or whatever. So they kind of took it and ran with it, didn't engage other parties. Hey, I need this from you or that from you, but didn't really kind of engage them in the process. And and what really kind of happened is that, you know, they were, they were you know, kind of, they had the, it wasn't really hardwired into the organization. So they were responsible for the over, oversight process. They don't want to look bad as a result. So they take charge of the corrective action plans. Um, and I, you know, I know I've told the story of uh, kind of how, um, you know, the uh, stories of the hospitals, but really kind of maybe taking, taking a few steps forward. Um, we started, you know, we started doing, we were doing very well, very successful with our consulting practice. It had numerous hospitals kind of in the fold for that. And oddly enough, we were contacted by a group out of Detroit. Um, they were, uh, it's called the AIG, Automotive Industry Action Group. And they are kind of like, I guess, a collaborative group with the auto manufacturers. And they had really kind of approached us with the initial interest that they had kind of basically what they conveyed to us was when we're building these cars, there's a lot of different expenses that go into this. All the respective parts, uh, vendors and people and parties that we use, we have the expectation that they're ISO certified. Yet the most expensive thing that we pay for outside of the salaries and the employees building these cars is the health insurance that we're paying for for them. And there is no accountability of the healthcare providers in providing that insurance like we have in these other vendors. So what we would like to do, like we do with all these other vendors, is we would like to get the hospitals to go and get ISO certified so that we can have that assurance that they have good quality systems in place and um, just like we do with the other vendors. And, you know, we said, that's great. I mean, we don't know anything about ISO. So you're going to have to enlighten us a little bit, and we're going to have to really kind of start looking into this. But they, they wanted us to pursue, you know, kind of that process. And I think what they had in mind at the time was the uh, IWA document. And I don't know if you or others are familiar with that, but the IWA no. document, the IWA document was uh, basically uh, something that different healthcare providers, I think actually Joint Commission was even a part of the committee or group that was looking into that, and what they were trying to design was a quality management system standard for healthcare. Um, and it really didn't get off the ground, it didn't go anywhere. You know, now that's, they've got a, a standard that's in line to come in for healthcare, but at the time there was nothing like that. And so what we had kind of pursued to them was like, you know, well, hospitals won't pursue something. What's the incentive? What's the advantage of getting ISO certified other than saying you have the certificate? Um, there's really no driver for it. So like accreditation is for CMS and having your provider agreement and being able to build Medicare and Medicaid, there was really no driver for it. So um, like any good consultant, we said, hey, we'll look into it, see what we can do. So, um, and just like so many other hospitals that we've kind of approached on this, uh, skepticism that first entered our mind, what in the world is this thing? Uh, I can't even understand it. Um, we started going through and we took our first class in uh, ISO 9001. It was the lead auditor class. Um, and actually, no, we actually preceded that with kind of an introductory type of class. And it was led by an automotive engineer and an aerospace engineer. And they were, they might as well have been talking to me in a foreign language. 
um, you know, all this stuff about assembly lines and, um, you know, all, all the standards that went into parts and how those are all set and everything and all across the globe. And I'm just kind of finally in the back of the room going, you know, can you relate this at all to me to healthcare? And this was interesting because it was at the time of the transition, we were about ready to transition from the 1994 version to ISO 2000, you know, the 2000 version. And that's when all the epiphany started kind of happening. Uh, the eye open and like, wow, um, you know, if this really kind of takes shape this way, this is more fitting for healthcare than it is for manufacturing. Um, it's very process oriented. Um, we have these enormous uh, number of documents that we let follow, you know, that we have to follow yet nobody knows about. Um, we have no really good control over that. Um, and it really fit within the existing kind of quality system that the hospitals had. Um, and that's what all made it very, very interesting. Um, but, you know, we said that if this is going to go anywhere, hospitals are not going to widely accept this just to say, hey, we found this thing out here that's really interesting and you should pursue it. Um, there's going to need to be a driver for it. Um, and the hospitals, for them to take some kind of interest at any level in this, there's going to have to be a reason why. I can't, it's, it, you know, just selling it from a certification standpoint is not going to get the job done. So, as I talked about, so we we had you know done our consulting, we had looked into the ISO, and then it just so happened we got into two hospitals that we were serve, you know doing our consulting work for. One hospital was ready for the Joint Commission to walk in any day. Um, they had the staff, they had the uh, structure in place, they had the the means for addressing quality, uh, you know, quality improvement issues uh, immediately. Um, and there was really no concern for what would happen in a survey. They were ready. Another hospital, at the same time we were working with, uh, new CEO, this is when the surveys were announced, and he said the Joint Commission is going to be here in 60 days. Um, I, I don't have a quality manager that's familiar with the accreditation process. Uh, I don't have a, a, a chief clinician in place. Um, I'm really kind of at a at a uh, at a quandary here of what to do, and like I, I don't know, we, we have to get this accreditation. Well, in our minds, we were saying let's get to the altar, pray that you can we can just get conditional accreditation. If we can just get that, you know, uh, we'll we'll deal with the rest. And so we went in, we did our magic. I mean, not manufacturing anything, um, not you know falsifying documents. We didn't want to take that route, but we wanted to have everyone versed on how to talk to the surveyors, what to say, what not to say, what to show them if they're asked for documentation. And I, I actually served as the interim quality director for that survey. And lo and behold, when it was all done, and this is when they were keeping scores, but the scores were separated by those two hospitals I just described by two points. And it's like, this is not an effective process if that is what is demonstrated as a result. So we knew that accreditation wasn't making an impact, that hospitals were basically doing this to satisfy what they needed for CMS, and that if we were truly going to make a difference, that, you know, we, had, you know, Becky's, Becky's just kind of over her shoulder looked at me and says, you know what we're going to do? We're going to go after CMS approval for an accreditation program. And I slowly looked over my shoulder in disbelief and said, are you crazy? Um, nobody's ever done that. I mean, Trent Commission has been around as long as I know, and there's, uh, there's another accrediting group out there 
that really hasn't made any great strides in, in doing so. So I don't know what you're thinking or smoking, but um, <laughs> I don't think we got a lot of ch- a shot of success at this. And she said, I know, and, and everybody's going to think that. And she said, um, we're going to do it anyway. And um, and that's where the adventure started. So um, the impossible, the impossible hill, right? Or mountain, oh, I guess yes, we should say. Was, I, I, I equated it to climbing Mount Everest twice on your hands and knees. I mean, that's how difficult it was. I mean, little did we know at the time what we were getting into. You know, nothing nothing would deter Becky. I mean, uh, you you knew her. Um, she was the eternal optimist. Um, you could you know, you could shoot her in both legs, and she'd still get up walking. Um, and she was just that type of personality and attitude. I mean, she had that drive. Um, you know, I was one that could make things happen. Becky was the visionary. Um, and I was like, okay, you know, we'll, we'll give it a shot. So we started writing standards just out of the blue, called doctors, nurses, others into, to sit down at the table. And we just started writing, you know, and it was more of kind of like, oh, we'd like to see the hospitals do this instead of this. And we'd like to see the hospitals do this instead of this. Sorry. Um, and, uh, you know, it was like, wow, this is a great opportunity to kind of to kind of set the stage for something truly unique. And um, we said, you know, what we really need to do in introducing this and uh, standard is that let's write the standard ISO standards into our process. So where it calls for quality, uh, you know, aspects, let's just start writing the standard in there. And that way the hospitals will have to pursue it because we've made it a requirement. And so when we started writing the standard, it was like, well, we're repeating document control everywhere. We're repeating <laughs> processes everywhere. All the different requirements kept surfacing. It's just like, well, if we're going to keep repeating ourselves to the standard, Becky said, why don't we just require ISO certification as a part of it? And um, we said, yeah, yeah, let's just do that. And so we made that one of the standards to, to meet the ISO requirements knowing that there were going to be some challenges hospitals would always ask well why do we need the certification can't we just do this and meet the requirements well as you know hospitals like to have a prize at the end of any kind of uh, journey they're on that way so we made it an option you can either be certified formally uh, or at least demonstrate that you've met the requirements and consider yourself compliant Um, but either way you had to demonstrate that you've implemented the requirements so we made that a part of our standard and um now, then the rest, I mean, the rest as the story goes, I mean, this is a 45-minute podcast, but um, as the story goes, the numerous attempts that we made, um, we ran out of money. Um, so basically what the requirements CMS had, the, the stated requirements are very minimal. The unstated requirements are basically wanting to know how long you're going to stay in this game if you're just kind of a flash in the pan and doing this for other motives. Um, if you're really, really wanting to pursue this and be an accreditation alternative. Um, so they put you through the paces in that. So we made several attempts. Sometimes it was a, a letter, so uh, simply put, as a, kind of a nice try, try again. Um, and as we got, you know, different applications, we got different feedback. And so as we ran out of money, uh, you know, we looked for other investors. We went to private investors and said, hey, you know, this is a wonderful opportunity. Nobody's done this since 1969. Um, we have the, the first real opportunity to do this. Uh, what do you think? And we got laughed out of the room. You know, sure. there's no guarantees the CMS was going to approve it. So we really had to, to scrape together and find out, like, how can we get So we called personal friends and everything. And it's like, 
we've exhausted anybody that can make an investment of this, so we have no alternative but to look for a partner. Uh, and that's when we came across another ISO registrar. That's how they're labeled. Uh, the registrar was uh, TUV America. And TUV America was trying to dabble in healthcare, but really hadn't made any great strides with it. And um, when uh, when we, we made another application, it didn't pass. So the leadership from Germany said that if there's no chance in this succeeding and we have no guarantees, we're going to get out of it. And they called up uh, another group, DNV, and said, we know you're also trying to break into the healthcare market, and we have uh, an opportunity here we want you to consider, um, and we'd like you to buy out our part of this joint venture. And DMV said, no, we want to buy it all. We want we want the whole thing. We want to buy out uh, healthcare specialists and TUV, and we want to buy the whole thing, and, and we'll take it from you for sure. And how, anyway, how did that how did that change? That was kind of a pivotal moment, right? When DNV um, approached and said they want to buy it all. So how did that really start to uh, tr get things moving forward more quickly? I guess I should say. Well, because really um, we weren't looked at as any big threat. Um, you know, in the eyes of Joint Commission, we were two people working out of a basement. You know, let them do their thing. You know, they'll be okay, um, <laughs> and uh, see how see how far they get. Um, when we came with DMV came on board, we now had the depth, the breadth, the structure, uh, the infrastructure, everything that we needed to be able to be a formidable competitor, not just a, hey, give it a shot, but a formidable competitor um, and really provide a, an incredible opportunity for hospitals to look at an alternative. Um, and so that's, that's when it all took place. So we had everything in line. We made an application with DMV and it didn't pass. So now we're on uh, uh, attempt number, I think, six or seven that we've tried with CMS. We're two plus years into this thing. Um, and what we thought was going to take about $60,000 in a couple of years ended up being close to over, what, $10 million investment. I think it was all said and done when we laid it all out. And um, DMV was just willing to support this to the end. Let's make it happen. And when we got this last letter back, it said, thank you for this application. Here are the following things that you need to address. And that's when we got the roadmap. I mean, we knew exactly what we needed to do then. We put everything in place. We made that other attempt. And then it was almost anticlimactic. It's really, it's, there's so many things that went into that. But I remember even leaving the office, finishing the application. One week, I finished, uh, I walked out the door as the sun was coming up. Um, and um, it was just so much that went into that. And it was almost anticlimactic when we got the approval. It was like, great, you know, we've been we've been beaten and called and everything to this. Now what do we do? <laughs> and um, we were, you know, kind of anxiously awaiting. And CMS even told us, be prepared for a lot of hospitals to call you day one. So what did we do? We sat there and waited by the phone. And we watched <laughs> and watched and grabbed coffee and lunch and watched again. And the phone wasn't ringing off the hook. So we was like, yeah, we might have to work at this. So... We had to really kind of strengthen the message. What do we have to offer? And um, again, Becky's tenacity uh, was just behind us the whole way. And uh, between she and I, we just kind of made that happen. And then yeah. we started bringing on people like you, like Kelly, um, that started with us initially. And I mean, that's that's where all the story started. I mean, it's just it's an amazing it's an amazing story that there's so much more to tell. But that's that's all the kind of the why behind it. Yeah, blood, sweat, and tears. I tell people that was a real thing back then. Um, I remember when you guys came to my hospital, you guys were still TV. 
Um, and then I joined um, in April of 2008 officially went through training and I remember that period. It was like we were, there was a lot of anxiety. There was a lot of emotion because the people who had joined um, and signed up for this were basically um, had a lot of faith, right? Because we didn't have CMS approval yet. And there was just so much emotion that you're right. When we did finally get approval in September, 2008, um, it just, it was kind of like the best feeling, but then kind of like, oh crap, now what do we do? Kind of a very anticlimactic, as you said, oh. uh, situation. So yeah, and so all of that, Pat, how long did that take? So from the moment that Becky had the idea until you were actually deemed in 2008. Was that about an eight to nine year period? What was that period of time really? Actually, I think it was about 2003, 2004. Okay. I actually got serious about it. And then um, uh, 2007 was when the acquisition take, took place. And then 2008 is when the approval happened. All right, yeah. Terry. Yeah, yeah, amazing, amazing. I mean, story. You, I mean, so you were in that room. I mean, and, and people had always kind of asked, even internal DMV is like, you know, there's a lot of family and friends as a, in the kind of as a part of this group. You know, you want to kind of explain some of that to me? And that's really kind of what what led us to that was trust. I mean, yeah. we've got to put our trust in, in the people that we know um, that really kind of want to take this ride with us. And that's kind of like like you, Kelly, and others is that, you know, you heard about it, we knew about you or that type of thing or from another party, let me recommend this person. All of those things, you know, kind of were that initial group um, as small as we were. And I mean, I might ask you, I mean, knowing what you know about ISO now, being the resident expert um, and back to those days, I mean, what was your reaction sitting in that room? Um, like yeah. many hospitals, you know, they have that same reaction initially to this. Yeah. And uh, you know, it's funny because it's been, it was such a whirlwind of time, but I do remember, um, especially when you guys came to our hospital, especially before I joined with DMV, I remember um, hearing, you know, the message, um, trying to understand the ISO approach, which, you know, for any healthcare person out there who have done any of our courses, just so you know, our courses now are healthcare specific. So, um, but back then it was still a matter of interpreting ISO into healthcare and what did that look like? And, but I saw it, I saw the vision of it, but I tell you what attracted me the most was the approach, our approach at DMV, which we have been very passionate about, which was to be collaborative. So I saw the vision of ISO and what that could do as definitely a catalyst to improve healthcare. Um, but I think my initial attraction was definitely, you know, hey, these people are nice. Uh, they're collaborative. Uh, they want to educate us. They have a real commitment to us and that I could see the value in accreditation. And it's funny you say that, that most of the people that joined early on were, you know, there were a lot of friends and family uh, and people say, well, how did that happen? Well, keep in mind when most of us joined, the original people joined, there was no, it was not a sure thing. We had no idea whether or not CMS was going to approve it. There was already several attempts at trying to get approval from CMS to be have deeming authority. Um, so it was either friends and family that knew you and believed in it, or it was those of us like me who was young enough in my career to drink the Kool-Aid and just give it up to go and follow this uh, pipe dream. So um, you'll also find that a lot of us who have been around for a while you know, we were pretty young when we started, you know, most of us were in our 30s. And that's because 
we were we were young and dumb enough to give up a whole career for something, um, but it paid off and we believed in it. And, you know, we were a very close knit group and we still are, even though we've grown quite a bit. And a lot of the original people have moved on, either retired or uh, moved on to other pastures. It's still we still remain um, with integrity to our approach, which really helps with the family vibe of DMV healthcare that's important to us. Um, I do want to ask, so now, so now let's, let's kind of flash forward just a little bit. Um, you know, we will, it's this September, it would be 14 years, I believe, if I'm doing my math right, um, that we've had deeming authority. Tell me what it's meant to you to see this grow. What, what has that been like for you? Uh, yeah, I mean, that's the thing is that, I mean, it's incredible, actually. I mean, to go from, you know, thinking of that reaction, looking over my shoulder, asking Becky if she's crazy, and kind of like in, in the in the way of Star Trek, you know, Captain Captain Kirk looks over and says, make it happen, number one. Um, and that's kind of what she kind of, uh, you know, held in me is that you got to make this happen. Let's put it all together. You make it happen, you know. Um, she, she had the contacts. We had the customers. Um, and like that's kind of what started it, but it's like, you know, you start from ground zero from day one, um, those one to two hospitals turned into four, turned into eight, and then here we are, what, 700 plus that we've got either accredited or certified. I mean, it's extraordinary what we've built into that. You know, we were moving our office recently, and um, I'm emptying my files, and it just was a kind of a moment of reflection, of uh, reminiscing. I pulled out the very first application that we had and i was just thinking like man have we come a long way um and uh just uh, you know that small group of people to what 100 some odd plus that we've got now um it's just it's just, just crazy is i mean it is a it is a true story of success uh, at its finest i mean i think even even dmv some of the uh, financial people that teach a course or something use it as a case study I mean, it was a true case study. It's a, it was a very successful acquisition, uh, you know, on a, on a lark, on a, uh, as you said, a lot of faith and hope, um, with no guarantees of what could happen. I mean, whoever dreamed and imagined, you know, we would have done something like this. So, yeah, I'm, I'm considering myself grateful, fortunate, uh, appreciative of so many people like you all um, and the group that we have that kind of have been on this ride. Um, it has been a, uh, it was a roller coaster for sure. Uh, what we, you know, um, you, you, uh, I've been re- listening to this lady by the name of Mel Robbins, and she said, you know, consider this, you have, you have survived 100% of your most difficult times. Um, and I can't imagine to think of all the stuff that, you know, so many opportunities that we had just to say, I, I give, we can't do this anymore. There's, there's no way, you know, we could have given up and, as I said, Becky just would not let that happen, and I was kind of with her. I was like, you know, we are so close. We are so close. Is that if we if we fail, if we don't push this that next step, then nobody's ever going to do this. So we were trailblazers. I mean, not knowing at the time, we just thought, hey, this is a great opportunity. The market's open, um, but being trailblazers at that time, uh, it is amazing. It truly is amazing to see kind of what we've accomplished. Yeah, and it's 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 so um, for me. It's an honor, and I'm always so grateful to you and Becky for creating this because this is really a historical healthcare um, story that will be in the books forever. 
um, that someday, you know, a hundred years from now, they'll look back and say, remember when GMV, DMV came on the scene and how that happened. So um, it's been quite an honor. Um, so with that being said, Pat, talk to, we know that you recently made the announcement um, mm -hmm. to retire from DNV and move on to other uh, projects. Um, can you talk to us about the transition and why now? Um, well, I mean, it's a great, great question. And um, I've got a great opportunity and this really came down to timing. Um, you know, if I were to have considered something like this, you know, five years ago, um, the timing wouldn't have been right. I probably would have uh, left left with things then, you know, where I wouldn't have the confidence and kind of what would happen next. Um, you know, we're still growing. We were still kind of in that really heavy growth mode. Um, and, you know, I, you know, I, I never could have even considered something like that. Now, I think we have grown into something where, you know, I could take advantage of the timing. Um, this is a great opportunity that I'm, I'm going to be going into uh, something that I was going to call on some of that entrepreneurial spirit that got this started, um, and, and but in a different way. But, um, you know, knowing that I could have the confidence and who could take my role that, you know, when you when you have, when you watch your baby grow up um, and then now my children are no longer living with us. But all I do is like, uh, you know, relish in their success. Um, I, I like to see that same with DMV. I don't want to just leave it hanging and know that, you know, here, you know, all that, that work that went into this, what happens next. So I think the timing of this was such and having the confidence in Kelly taking on this role. Kelly knows this business. He knows DMV healthcare. He knows DMV. He's got a good relationship, not only internally, but externally. Um, and so I can make that handoff knowing that, you know, I've got the confidence in him to kind of carry this on. I mean, we've established a brand. Um, uh, you know, we have established a, an excellent alternative to joint commission, um, and I couldn't be happier in, in naming Kelly as my successor. Um, I, I was hoping he didn't react the way as like, are you crazy? Um, and I think he looked at this and said, you know, I got this. Um, and, uh, you know, I think as closely as we've worked together over the years, he's understood me. He understood my, you know, understands my approach, my dynamic uh, if anybody will will say anything about me, they'll say I'm unique um, in the way kind of I, I lead an organization, um, and I, I I take a lot of pride in that. But I think also this is an opportunity for Kelly to put his mark on it, um, for him to do some things differently than I would have done, to add a different perspective, because um, he's seen this grow as well, and he's gone through our growing pains. He can also put a different flavor to this. So. I think this is a great opportunity for that, and uh, uh, really, I mean, with Kelly kind of here as a part of it, I'm I'm looking at him as we're talking about him, but I, I really couldn't be happier with uh, doing this, and I've uh, done everything I can to really kind of boost his confidence and lay out uh, everything for him to kind of take the reins on this, but I think this will be a good thing. Yeah, it, you know, it was emotional. We all... Um, found out just recently and it was emotional for a, a lot of us and uh, very shocking, but we understood um, and fully support Patrick and, and what he's doing. And um, so glad that it's uh, a transition of happiness for Pat to, uh, you know, it's just time to pass the baton and he's got other ventures now that he's going to uh, pursue. So with that being said, congratulations, Kelly, um, for the uh, 
being uh, appointed in this position. I was very excited to hear it. Kelly, you know, has been around for uh, since almost the beginning as well. And, um, you know, it's it just really continues our uh, vision and who we are at uh, DMV, which is to be a choice and accreditation that is collaborative um, and, and with a commitment to uh, health care. So with that being said, Kelly, do you um, want to talk to us about how you're feeling about this transition and taking on this new role? Thanks, Emily. Uh, yeah, much like you and everyone else, I was I was shocked when Pat told me he was leaving. Uh, he, he delivered that message to me personally and uh, uh, about uh, seven or eight minutes uh, into him telling me that he was leaving. He said that I should know that uh, he had appointed me to take over where he's leaving off. And that was another big shock for me. Um, but but uh, he and I talked, I'm, I'm ready for this. I'm uh, ready to uh, put my flair on it, like Patrick says, and lead us into the future. I've I've had uh, almost 13 years of uh, mentorship from Patrick in various different levels, and um, I will use that uh, going forward and uh, put my own little spin on it. And I think we're going to do good. I've 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 had meetings with you, Simile, and um, uh, the other uh, leaders within DMV Healthcare, and I think together as a team, uh, we're going to push this up to the next level and. When Patrick looks back in five or eight years, uh, he will say, wow, I made the right decision. And uh, this this has really uh, turned out to be a, a dream come true, which really it already is a dream come true for Patrick, but we're just going to take it up to that next level. Yeah, I, I'm really excited. Um, do you have anything, Kelly, that you want to share with us about your vision for the future? Any uh, maybe uh, secret hints of what we can expect? I know that we've talked um, a lot about um, where our goals are in the future, even with Patrick. Anything that you, uh, any tidbits that you want to share with the audience? Well, I, I want to grow our brand. Uh, right now, I think one of our weaknesses is that a lot of hospitals don't really know who we are. We've been around for a while now, and we need to get our brand out there, get our name out there, and let them know what we offer. We have a, a very high-quality uh, product that we're selling, and uh, I think hospitals need to know it's out there because, uh, in my opinion, there's not a better program out there for hospitals to be accredited with. Agreed. And uh, I thank you. I, I want to grow that brand and get our name out there, and uh, of course, by growing the the brand that's going to grow our business and uh, we've got some hefty goals for the, for the next several years of growing our business and that means uh, maybe um, throwing out incentives and and uh, doing some uh, things internally to move uh, folks around and get them focused on different things uh, but growing our our people is the biggest thing I, th I think right now if we could grow our people uh, even better than we have in the past. We will grow our brand uh, automatically with that and we'll grow our business with that. I think our people are our number one investment and uh, we need to take uh, good care of them as we always have. But um, finding opportunities for them to grow in the company, move up in positions and um, just really just take care of them from a, a business side of things and keep that small family feeling going for this big village that we have now. 
Yeah, yeah. You know, it's um, when we think back, Kelly, to the early days of, you know, how we were uh, kind of doing all the all the duties, right? We all wore multiple hats and and now we've grown, you know, we're no longer that startup mom and pop um, scenario. We've grown into a corporate conglomerate um, who is worthy of DNV corporate, right? Because those of you in the audience know that DNV is a global company. Healthcare is one leg uh, within that. And now, uh, we've really come into our own um, with lots of positioning, lots of structure, and it's been a very exciting. Um, yeah, it's a, it's very it's very emotional, I think, for those of us who have been around a while to see the growth in this, because to Pat's point, it, it was just it's been a miracle. And without the tenacity of really Becky driving it and Pat being able to move those mountains and make it happen, um, we wouldn't be where we are today. So it's fantastic. Um, I often tell the audience and Kelly, I just uh, want to see if you um, how you feel about this, that the part of the reason why we grew um, I guess you could say it was good that we grew steadily um, without really advertising. And that was to ensure that we maintained the integrity of who we are at DNV. Um, our approach, we didn't want to bring on new surveyors and new staff too quickly because, you know, we needed time to make sure they understood who we are and supported our vision. Um, and so how important it is, is it for you as we continue to grow, especially with a lot of lofty goals, we're starting to advertise now, we're starting to really market who we are because we feel like we have processes in place to continue the integrity. How important is that to you that we maintain that approach at DNB? Well, I think it's critical. I think that's what sets us apart from our competitors. And I think that's what our uh, current clients love. And I think I think that's what our future clients are going to love. Um, keeping keeping that in mind, it, it's critical, and we're gonna we're growing very fast right now. We're 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 growing faster than we ever anticipated. So, um, keeping that growth uh, going and hiring the right people to do the job is is going to be critical. Uh, we are currently interviewing people for for certain positions, and we're having to be very, very picky about who we bring on because they need that experience, they need that skill set, but they also need that personality, that non-confrontational personality and uh, that personality where they can work collaboratively with uh, our clients. So uh, I think that's critical, and we have to maintain that going forward, and we will do everything to keep it that way. Yeah, yeah, agree. And you guys have, the audience has heard me say it many times, and so have both of you, that it's important to maintain the integrity of the standards, uh, but we can do it in a way in which that uh, brings value to accreditation. So, um, yeah, I, I want to thank both of you so much for coming on. Um, I know the viewers were dying to hear from Pat, and I think with the announcement last week of the transition from Pat to Kelly, I thought it was a really good time. So I kind of uh, forcefully asked both of them to please attend the podcast and tell Pat's story and talk a little bit about the transition. So I just want to thank you both for coming on here. Pat, I would like to give you the last word. Is there any last remarks? I know I'm putting him on the spot. He hates that. Um, is there any last remarks that you have for uh, the healthcare world as you move on to your next project? I mean, as I like to say, it's not a goodbye. It's till we meet again. Um, you know, this was uh, all done. You know, kind of my my choice. Nothing nothing bad for uh, me leaving or not leaving amidst a scandal or anything like that. Like uh, you read in the in the news, so many things. What's going on? Um, but uh, you know, it's really it is a great opportunity for me to take advantage of and 
and there'll be more to come on that. But I guess for me too, of uh, I'm grateful to you. Um, I'm grateful to our leadership team um, for really kind of what we've done. Um, grateful to Kelly that he's willingly accepted this role, um, and not out of you know kind of that was the thing that Kelly could look at like you know I, I don't want to do this. I really kind of uh, I respect you, Patrick. I don't want to like replace you, but. Um, he has a completely different perspective on it, um, and, and my urging, um, and I think it's that, you know, this is an opportunity for you to do some things differently, um, take some things in a different direction. Um, and this is, I think, where, you know, from a leadership change perspective, this is where, you know, you look at things in a positive sense of that. Um, yes, I know it's the shock. It's a, I hated the tears, both of you. You know, you, you rock my world that way. Um, I don't deal well with the tears. Um, but, you know, I try to be positive about this because of, of what steps are ahead for myself and for Kelly. And um, I, I think this is going to be, a, you know, good thing for both of us. And um, and there, there'll be more to come. So uh, I, I appreciate the opportunity you, you uh, taking the uh, having the faith in me to do something like this, because anybody gives me a microphone, you know that I've got all kinds of things to say. But um, again, my thanks really to you both um, and really to our team as a whole. Um, you know, that, that's been the hardest part of this is leaving such an incredible team of people. Um, and uh, I, I will be forever grateful of that. Well, thank you again, Pat. Um, you will be, see, I'm starting to choke up again. Um, you will be missed, um, but we have the utmost respect and faith in Kelly. So um, I know it was a good time uh, for transition, but you will be deeply missed. So um, again, everybody, thank you again for joining the podcast. And remember, as always, be safe out there and take care of yourselves. All right. Thank, thank you. you thank, you. thank you. Take care. All right. Thank you for listening to the Rx for Hospital Quality podcast from DNV Healthcare USA, Inc. For more information and to download our free standards, please visit dnvhealthcare.com. That's dnvhealthcare.com.